Hey everyone, welcome to JoJo's World. Hello amigos, what up? What's up, Nick? Well, we're not in Mexico, but I figure amigos is a fun word, so why not? Sure. Okay, yeah. right. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> Today we watched episode 12 of Stardust Crusaders, that's the third part of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Ooh. entitled Empress. This covers chapters 146 through 149 of the manga. And it is fucking bizarre. <laughs> yeah, it's a strange one. It, it just, it took me by surprise and then just kept going. Now, as per usual, as we've always done and we always will do, uh-huh. I want to open with with a note from uh, some words of wisdom from Hirohiko Araki. Ah, uh, yes, as we always do. Yes. 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 As we always have done and always will do until long after all our listeners are dead. <laughs> this is continued from uh, last volume's note about the oldest profession, the man who tells scary stories. Uh-huh. Yep. A long, long time ago, people sat under the starry night sky and gathered around a fire as they listened to an old man tell frightening tales. They listened intently and let their imaginations take them into the world he described. Okay, that's enough for tonight. We want to hear more. I'll give you this fruit if you tell us more. I'll tell you tomorrow, now go to bed. That's the kind of story I hope to tell and keep on telling. Like how things can grow out of people's arms and eat each other. And people will enjoy it so much they give him fruit. The fruits of their labours, money, because capitalism. (laughs) Before we get into the episode proper, I encountered something interesting at work today that I think is relevant to our... At work yesterday, that I think is relevant to our ongoing discussion of Polnareff and his uh, revenge quest. Okay. It came up in my work, this Japanese concept called Ikigai. Ikigai, why does that sound familiar? Uh, It rough... A concept that is roughly analogous to the French phrase raison d'etre, or reason for being. That's why. Apparently, uh, according to uh, Japanese... Cultural belief, sure, let's go with that. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a a purpose, a, a, an ikigai. A raison d'etre. Yep. yep. And finding it requires a deep and often lengthy search of self. Yeah. So I think what we're seeing with Polnareff is, up until this point, his ikigai mm-hmm. has been to avenge his sister. To stab him multiple times yeah. until he's dead. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. And now that he's done that, what's he got left? Future episodes may elaborate on this. <laughs> There may be a slight possibility that it will definitely happen. Mm. Anyway, that just interested me, so I wanted to bring yeah. it up. Huh. Huh. So then, hmm. could other characters in JoJo possibly have Ikigai that just go away? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I can think of one character in part four who definitely has a, a very distinct purpose. Okay. Is it to be cool? Or is that just everyone? <laughs> That's pretty much everyone. <laughs> Dio believes that his is to rule the world. Yeah, true. If I'm understanding this concept correctly. True. Uh... Jojo's is to stop Dio and save his mum because he likes her. <laughs> well, that's sort of a role in the plot. Yeah. Kakuin's is probably more like... Kakuin's is to have sex with Jojo's mum. Yep. And let's be fair, if he was going to fall in love with someone, who else would it be? <laughs> I mean, really. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's... That's an interesting discussion of a, of a concept that I've only read the first half of the Wikipedia page for. <laughs> but I also listened to an artist talking about it. Oh, okay. And it informed his work. Available now at the Art Gallery of WA. What is it? It's a piece of glasswork. The winner of this year's Tom Malone Prize. We open with a burst of blood appearing in an eye. (gasps) And then, opposed to that, a cat's eye. (gasps) As old lady Enya senses through the force her son's death. She's like, ah, my son! I feel a great disturbance. As if my son cried out in anguish and was silenced. As if he died. Just from, like, multiple stab wounds. Multiple stab wounds that are right now appearing on my face. <gasps> because apparently we have some sort of some sort of twin link. 
you know how twins feel the pain of the oh, other absolutely. twin? That's it's a science. real thing that happens. Yeah, it's science, man. Identical <laughs> twins feel each other, man. Yeah. So she has all these stab wounds appear on her face and she's like, ah, to kill someone like you with a soul so pure, I'm sure they did something underhanded. Like stab you in the face. She, uh, she really needs to get some perspective on... <laughs> on Mr. Centerfold? And his morality. <laughs> well, hang on. She didn't say good, right? She said pure. Pure evil? So, yeah, pure evil, yeah. you know? So she leaps into the sky, as you do, and hits this... In anger. Hits this cat with her stick and is like, get out of the way. I know a few people who would be quite angry at that. Yeah. And it rhymes with theta. I don't know what you're saying. With Peter. P- Peter. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There are a few people in Peter. Right. Who would get very angry at seeing this. <laughs> They would not enjoy JoJo's. She's like, I'm going to send the Empress card after you. The stand that kills slowly. And then she runs into the darkness screaming. Yeah, we cut to the OP, which is not that one. It's not that one at all. And so I guess she's also sort of mobilising herself as a future threat now too. Being just really angry at Polnareff. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, which one of you killed my son? Because I'm going to specifically kill you. The rest of you can just go yeah, It was away, probably that you. Polnareff who swore, swore revenge against him. Oh, sneaky Polnareff. Sneaky, sneaky Polnareff. With his sneaky hair. The gang are catching a bus from Calcutta to Varanasi, the sacred city. Yep. And they're yep. all sitting there just hanging out on the bus and Polnareff is lecturing the girl who was in love with Whole Horse last time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love how it's like, now look, you have to like open your mind, okay? Yeah. You have to see broadly as he's got his hands up. He's like doing um blinders on his face and he's like, when you're in love, it's easy to be like this, just looking straight ahead. And he's got his hands parallel facing forward. Yeah, and then he turns them sideways and he's like, you need to see things broadly like this. And like, he, lo- he looks a bit like a fish with like... Um, yeah, like that din- yeah, like that dinosaur from Jurassic Park. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Polnareff spits his venom into her eyes. <laughs> and she falls in love. Yeah. <laughs> She's just basically glaring at him the whole time. She asks his, her name, and she says, Naina. Oh, yes. Naina. Who you may know as the German singer-songwriter who wrote uh, 99 Luftballons. I don't know why I said that with a French accent. I mean, either way, it's European. Later recorded in English as 99 Red Balloons. 99 Red Balloons. Which is a song about, like, Cold War tensions? I think so. Yeah. It- it's red balloons. Red so. balloons set off some Cold War alarms <laughs> and cause a nuclear war that destroys the world. No one Nuclear. Wants... I always say that wrong. Nuclear. It's pronounced nuclear. Nuclear. It's pronounced <laughs> nuclear. Thanks, Dad. I want peas. <laughs> the Simpsons. A classic, family-friendly show for all ages. So apparently she had told them that she's the daughter of a wealthy family in Varanasi. And so they're taking her home because I guess they're good people. Cunning. Cunning. Uh, as we get closer to Varanasi, we get the narrator's brilliant exposition. Yeah. So Varanasi is the sacred city, and through it flows the holy river, the Ganges. Saints, the old, the sickly, children, cows, dogs, monkeys, food, excrement, burning corpses. That escalated. <laughs> this river gently embraces all these things as it flows. Everything from birth to death is laid bare in this river, and we see like a lotus floating in it, which... Has some important symbolism in Indian culture, though I can't remember what. Uh, it's like the universe or the, the tranquility. Yeah, yeah, something about that. I don't know. It's some bullshit from <laughs> cultures we don't understand. Man, fuck that shit. <laughs> it is said that people can spend months here in the sacred city of Varanasi without getting bored. This is probably because the scenery one sees here in Varanasi reflects the scenery of one's soul. It could also be because there's excrement in the water. 
<laughs> Just saying. And rotting bodies, apparently. <laughs> look, look, I don't make it's up these things. Bold takes on India from Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. <laughs> There's excrement, bodies, possible stand users, all in the world. Speaking water. of which, the pimple on Joseph's arm eats a fly. And Joseph's like, hmm. It's hmm. getting worse. I should probably see a doctor. <laughs> should probably get this. He thought it was fly- a bug bite. Yeah. Should probably get this fly-eating bite checked yeah. out. And Polnareff was like, "Hey, that looks a bit like a face." And they're all like, "Stop kidding around, Polnareff. This could be serious. My grandfather could have a tumor." <laughs> Sorry about that. Classic Polnareff. Polnareff asks if jo- uh, Joseph if he wants him to accompany him to the doctors. And mm. Joseph is like, "It's fine. Go, go have a time. Go fall in love with this episode's villain." <laughs> Little do we know. Slash, we know He leaves, and she opens her mouth and sticks her tongue out, and there's, like, a similar little growth on her tongue. That also makes the weird high-pitched laugh. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, I hate it so much. Come back to that in a moment. I have a a thought that's been weighing on me this past week about about this character, Nina. Okay, all right. Joseph goes to the doctor. Yeah. And the doctor there is like, "Mm, we're going to cut this off. And Joseph immediately is like, uh... <laughs> because wait. he was like, yeah, this arm's going to need to come off. <laughs> it's like, it's a bit terminal, I, mean, I guess it? I already have one robot arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Joseph immediately goes, can't we just, like, take some medicine? Put a bandage on it, Maybe you know? Maybe some ointment instead. An not unguent. Yeah, an unguent, please. A salve. A salve. Other things that mean the same thing. Do, do we have any gauze? Can gauze help in this situation? <laughs> and he's like, it's okay, we can... He speaks... He speaks with, I guess, to what is a Japanese person doing a very typical Indian accent. I mean, I didn't notice because I was just reading the subtitles. It is a bit like that when you're watching it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it could be. He also sounds a little American. I could be projecting like... on my, my own bullshit here, but <laughs> to me it sounded like, you know, that typical quote unquote voice. Yeah. Particularly when he was saying no problem a lot. Sure. Okay. I mean, that just sounds like a doctor just saying, no problem. Anyway, he, he says no problem a lot. Yeah. And he's like, uh, I studied medicine in England. I can do appen- appendectomies too. Oh, this scalpel is a bit rusty. Oh, well, it's no problem. <laughs> just like, ah, uh, hey, buddy, rust is not good. There's a transition I really like where Joseph, like, closes his eyes in, oh, an- in anxiety. And then the camera pans... From space on the left side of his face to space on the right side of his face with a camera clicking noise. And in that transition, he's gone from being upright to being supine on a, uh, a doctor's table. And you are just pulling out the words today. <laughs> and he's looking very anxious. Yes. As one does. And the doctor is like, okay, no problem. We're going to do this. And he's like, oh, I don't want to watch. So he just like turns he looks away. away. And we hear slicing sounds. And he's like, this is taking a while. Are we done yet? And he looks back. And the doctor's scalpel is sticking out of his head. <gasps> what? But how did this happen? It was just a routine operation. Joseph's arm starts speaking. That's less routine. Oh, dear. Hey, doctor, trying to cut me? You're pretty stupid, you moron. Oh, God, I heard that voice. Ugh. Do you hear me? Oh, God, <laughs> no. And there is just a full-fledged face on his hand now. And Joseph's like, what It's sort the of hell? like red, mottled skin. It's, um... Oh, what's the... It's like, uh... Oh, God, I should know this word. Because... Are you pulling a colour or a... No, no, there's a very specific word that the dude from Vampire... The dude that writes Vampire Hunter D uses this word non-stop all the time. Um, it starts with a C. What does that uh, mean? It means, like, it has facial features. Okay. Yeah, it's literally just that. 
Oh God, I can't remember. Ah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. I will go home and find it or I will die. <laughs> I could just look it up. Yeah, right? It's like, not concubine. No. <laughs> it sounds a lot like concubine. Countenance? Countenance! Oh, yes, that's the one. It has countenance. The, the face has countenance. <laughs> okay. I'm glad we resolved that. It only took us like five seconds. Yeah, we knew that. We are on the ball. Editing does not exist. So she's like, hey, I'm the Empress, as in the Empress card, old man Joseph. Now I'm gonna bloody you up good. <laughs> that's some that's some good banter. That I is. think this is my favourite, like, taunt yet. Because it's like, I'm gonna bloody you up that's, that's good. That's like one step away from being like, yeah, I'm gonna fuck you up, man. <laughs> it's not even subtle, but at the same time, you're like, bloody you up good. I mean, that that's just, that's good. That's just good. Tarot time. <gasps> Tell me. The Empress is the third card of the Major Arcana. Mm -hmm. It symbolizes uh, mothering, like giving birth, nourishing life, working with children. Ah. So good to know that yep. Joseph has passed that check. Yep, possibly. Does it have anything to do with talking tumors? <laughs> it's not a tumor. Ah, uh, okay. Welcoming abundance, experiencing the senses, such as giving and receiving pleasure, feeling healthy or doing physical activity, mm -hmm. and responding to nature, such as things relating to animals and plants. I mean, half of them might be applicable. I mean, the mothering stuff and nourishment, uh, raising children is all very appropriate. Mm. Physical activity. Yeah. The Empress and the High Priestess are the two halves of the female archetype in the Major Arcana. The Empress represents the fertile, life-giving mother who reigns over the bounty of nature and the rhythms of the earth. Rhythms of the earth? Dun, 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 this is the dawning of the Age of Aquarius. <laughs> in readings, the Empress can refer to any aspect of motherhood. She can be an individual mother, but as a major arcana card, she also go goes beyond the specifics of mothering to its essence, the creation of life and its sustenance through loving care and attention. The Empress can also lavish abundance of all kinds. She offers a cornucopia of delights, Whoa. especially those of the senses, food, pleasure, and beauty. She can suggest material reward, but only with the understanding that riches go with a generous and open spirit. The Empress asks you to embrace the principle of life and enjoy its bountiful goodness. Just embrace the tumour and enjoy death. <laughs> the oh. Empress is opposed by the Emperor, which, as we found out last time, mm -hmm. or maybe the time before last, signifies fathering, order and discipline, and oh. death, which, you know, signifies the idea of death. Yeah. And it's reinforced by the lovers, signifying sexual fulfilment and pleasure, mm -hmm. and the star for generosity and free-flowing love. But that's... Joseph's thing. He has a star on his back. That's um, all the Joe stars. Jotaro, Nick. Oh yeah, Jotaro. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fair. Fair. And finally, uh, our Jojo Valet note for uh, the Empress is our typical horror item: the human face tumor. The design is a modified form of an Indian Buddha statue. In Jojo, you don't need to keep inflating the enemy's strength, so it's easy to add some irregular enemies. <laughs> This is true. And boy, was this irregular. This was weird as shit. So this seems like an appropriate time to raise that qualm that I have, that query, that question. Okay. So a couple of episodes ago, or over the last couple of episodes, we've seen Nana, the holder of the Empress stand, mm -hmm. acting in love with Whole Horse, the holder of the Emperor stand. Yep. So what I've got to ask is, does Whole Horse know she's a stand user? That's a good question. Furthermore, was it this? Because we later find out that this is 
an ugly woman disguising herself as a beautiful woman. Yeah. Is that so? Is this actually the same person that Whole Horse was with, or a person disguising themselves as that person? Hmm. I like to think because there's a few possibilities here. Okay, uh, but, but go on. You right. go well, I like to think that Whole Horse has literally no idea. Mm, yeah. Because he's just an idiot. He's an idiot. He's just like, oh, you're attractive. It's like, okay, th- thanks. But she just keeps popping up, and he's like, oh, no, nice. Uh. He just, like, keeps finding these attractive women that the Empress takes over. Well, she doesn't take over people, though. Well, I mean, she did with this... Well, she took over the body. No, she disguised herself. But I wouldn't the Empress go into another body and then just sort of eat away at the insides and just... Because wasn't that the whole thing is that she's an ugly woman that's inside a beautiful woman? I mean, that's what we find out at the end. Yeah. But we, so... we don't know if that beautiful woman was an individual in her own right mm. or just part of this long con. Hmm, indeed. Well, surely it would be... She couldn't have grown into another beautiful woman. She would have just, like, put herself on the body and then grown into it. We don't know. Shit. Shit. How many empresses are there? One. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, so, like, the way I see it, there are, you know, maybe three options. Hmm. One, that whole horse had no idea that this was a stand user. Yep. Two, that he was in on it and was, you know, planting the long con here because he likes to work with other people. Yep. He's number two. Three, that at some point between then and now, say between when she was left in the desert and when she reappeared to save Whole Horse, Mm -hmm. a switch took place, or (laughs) as you seem to be convinced, she devoured this other woman from the inside out. Yep, yep. uh, And stole her identity. Om nom nom, as it were. Or just, I'm going to disguise myself as you. Yeah. But that's not as uh, brutal as being eaten from the inside out, is it? I yeah, I really have no idea where you got that idea from. Well, I mean, you know, if she, she... Okay, I don't like to think that this empress would just disguise herself and just change. Like, Why not? Well, we had the blob that was the disguiser, where the blob could assume any form. Yeah. Whereas the empress is more like, oh, I just, like, grow. But it's not part of her stand that she did this. It's just something she did. Yeah, but if she gets what? a piece inside someone, then she grows in them. Surely. But, no, because the user is separate from the stand, Nick. Oh, shit, you're right. Oh, no. So then that just means... The Empress isn't a sentient growth. It's a power that a person can implant on someone. So then she was really good at eating people. She just managed to get inside and just... Nick, this is is grim. (laughs) I don't like your your grim AU. (laughs) Look, if Star Wars can have a grim AU, I can have a grim... AU. AU. Alternate universe? Yeah. It's all canon in my mind. It's all canonical. I don't know, but maybe... What if? What if? What if the Empress was actually the stand the whole time? What if... It was! No, but what if the true true Empress was the bulbous thing and then the stand was actually the ugly woman that lives inside other beings so that she can move around? Nick, I hate you. (laughs) What if... What if everything has gone topsy-turvy for this one specific stand? (laughs) Is there a stand like that? This is the exception. Yeah, there are a couple of stands that work a bit like that. <laughs> this is the exception that proves the rule. How did the blob get onto the uh, like the other carriage? How do we know? That's it. That's all it is. So anyway, that's uh, <laughs> that's the conundrum solved. Sure. <laughs> Joseph grabs a scalpel and tries to stab the Empress. It catches it in its teeth and cuts off that one finger on his robotic hand again that Jojo tore off that time. <gasps> How evil. These are expensive. <laughs> It takes a real beating in this episode. It does. I mean, I'm surprised it, like, got that far past being beaten down in that Mm. one bit. 
It'd be very inconvenient to the plot if you didn't have anything to stop the nail. <laughs> uh, and it says, I'm part of your body. You can't get away from me now, honey. It says honey in English. Oh, yeah. And this is the bit where I think it just looks exactly like left hand. Yes. So you are a fan of Vampire Hunter D. Well, a friend of ours has got me reading it uh, because we're going to do a Vampire Hunter D Pathfinder one-off crossover thing. All right. <laughs> yep. Uh, so I've been reading it and it's amazing because it's like ridiculously gothic where everything is just super like dramatic. And I've operatic. only seen that one movie, Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust. Mm. Well, yeah, it's like weird sci-fi gothic horror, but the books are a lot darker than the it's movie. It's about a man named D who is half a vampire and he has a, a, a man a, that lives in his hand. Yeah, he's a dampier. Uh, he has, like, a weird alien symbiotic thing. He's an Alucard. Yeah, and uh, it looks exactly like the tumour. And basically. he fights Draculas. He fights Draculas. He fights... In fact, in Bloodlust, that Dracula, quite nice. Other Draculas, not so nice. <laughs> there's an evil... There's a more evil Dracula at the end, who is, like, a lady who's made of blood. Well, she... Yeah, I guess. And there's also a man with a, a werewolf in his stomach. Yes. And a woman who is a tree. Yes. In the books... These are the bad guys in that movie. In the books, they don't really exist. Good. Yeah. They are way fucking weirder. But, like, yeah, so... So, he's got this man in his hand. Yeah, D has this thing called Left Hand, uh, who, like, he talks to a lot, and everyone's amazed at his ventriloquism, because <laughs> he'll just be like, where did he go? And then Left Hand will be like, oh, that doesn't matter! And then everyone's like, you're weird, D. Why are you just playing with your ventriloquism? And the Left Hand's like, I'm real, damn it! He's like... This is weird. This is a weird guy. But he looks just like that tumour. Okay. And I it's thought, not a tumour. Yeah. Well, the em- it looks just it's like the Empress Not a tumour. It's not a tumour. Um, but I thought, huh, when did Vampire Hunter D come out? Because Left Hand feels like... Well, the books at least started were being written before this. Yeah. So you would think maybe he's taken some inspiration from that and gone, huh, what about... It's plausible. I don't know how much they caught on. Yeah. It also might be quite unlikely that, you know, Araki went, hmm... Left hand's cool. Let's make a stand that is, it looks like it, that is completely different to it. Yeah, I mean, as we said earlier, his visual inspiration was largely sort of Buddhist statues. Yes. So, yeah. (laughs) But hey, you know, that's some some good intertextual reading on your behalf, Nick. Thank you. References. I'm very good at that. Ish. So yes, he's had his finger cut off. He says, oh, he says, oh no, a lot in this episode. Oh no! Then the nurse comes in and is like, doctor, your next patient is here. Oh no, you're dead! (laughs) And uh, Joseph immediately goes, it's not what it looks like. Okay, let's just be calm. Let's just consider this rationally. Let's let's open our hands on our face <laughs> like this. It was me, Joseph Joestar. I killed him. I'm staying at the Hotel Clark's. By the way, I'm really into hot nurses, says the, uh, the Empress. And then the hot nurse runs away. Yeah. And we cut to the police being there. Uh, Joseph Joestar is hiding in an alleyway. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Oh, no. And, you know, he's bantering with the Empress about how only stands can hurt stands. He's all like, man, what the hell are you even? Can my stand... No, the Empress does his thing to him where it predicts his thoughts. Ah, yes. Where it's like, you're thinking, can my stand with the power of spirit photography beat beat the Empress? I don't think so. No, not happening. Seems unlikely. Seems very unlikely. So Joseph tries to slam his hand really hard against a wall. And then the Empress grows two arms. Catches itself and like... 
you know, kind of does a push-up. Out of its bulbous countenance. Yep. There's a, there's an, a window nearby with iron bars. And it grabs one of those iron bars and holds on and starts shouting for the police that the, the murderer is here. Hey, it's me, the murderer. So this really handsome cop comes around the corner. And he looks pissed. And he's like, you, what are you doing? He pulls out his gun. He's like, don't move. And Joseph isn't moving because he's stuck to the bar. But he does start doing some ripple. We get a, a bit of a nod as he doesn't. He tries to overdrive the Empress. He does some sweet hum on sick energy. He's like, I haven't done this in a long time, and he goes, and we tries hit to... the welcome crackle of Hamon. Is it welcome though? Not really, because it doesn't do the job. <laughs> and the Empress is like, "You idiot! I'm part of your arm. You didn't think that Hamon would work against your own body, did you? Idiot!" And I'm like, "Maybe." <laughs> it does a lot of things. It is magic. It is literal it's magic. Very versatile. He should have used Hamon to redirect the bullets the cop is about to fire him into the arm. Okay, look. Look. He should have, but he didn't. <laughs> so the cop fires... Oh, he hermit purples the Empress and grabs it. Which is very odd, because we haven't seen this yet. No, but he's using the thorny vines as thorny vines and not just ethereal vision powers. Mm. Which is cool. I like it. Yeah. It's nice. And Tez uses that, uses that to immobilise it for now and tears it off from the... The... Iron bars. Yeah. yeah. As somehow a bullet flies around his body and hits where the Empress is holding onto the iron bars. Uh, it's called missing. Like, yeah. It's called missing. And he runs as the officer fires a few more bullets. Does not pursue. <laughs> <laughs> he does not run after him because, hey, it's India. I'm not it's getting paid enough to pursue an active murderer by myself. With a bulbous arm that is talking. We can't see that yet. 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 Soon people will all know. He's running down the street and he's got a... Well, hang on. No, like before, a cloth. Before that, no. he's running down the street mm-hmm. and Polnareff is like on a date with Nina or something. Hell yeah, he's on a date Where with they, Nina. They're just walking through the town looking at stuff. Uh, he's just spouting some bullshit. <laughs> it's what we call the... Uh... Rebound method. Well, he keeps talking about how whole horse is dishonest and men like him, are, men like him, Polnareff, are, are, are great. They don't look at the past, right? They only care about yeah. the Yeah, Polnareff says he doesn't dwell on the past, which is not right, <laughs> because up until last episode, he was obsessed with avenging his dead sister. Yeah, but now he doesn't... in the past. But now he doesn't dwell on the past. Then. Yeah, he's become a new man. Yeah. He, he's got a free and clear vision. He's going to Egypt. He's going to kill Dio. His raison d'etre is different now. Yeah. Right? Sure. (laughs) Now He's a free spirit. It's not about killing people. It's about banging ladies. It's about saving people and getting laid. Oh, man. That is something I can get behind. (laughs) And, you know, he's not seeing anything because he's just talking shit. And she sees Joseph running their way. (laughs) So she turns around and is like, oh, look, a Japanese lady lives over there called, I don't know, Kamiko or something. (laughs) And he's like, oh, that's interesting. And as they're talking, two men carrying a rug walk in front of them. So when Joseph runs past, he doesn't see them. Because he would recognise that hair. Anyway. Those rug men were the true villains of this episode. Ooh. I think later it's like, or before this, it's like, if only I'd brought Polnareff with me. Yeah. Or if everything would be fine. And then it's like... Because, I mean, Polnareff would be pretty adept at defeating the stand because you could just cut him out. Cut it out. Yeah. Alas, he's not here. No. <sighs> so he runs, he's got this coat over his arm. Mm-hmm. He runs past a market stall and we see a feather slowly fall to the ground. Ooh. And then as he keeps running, all these like apple cores and banana peels and a huge head of lettuce fall out from under the coat. And Joseph's like, what the hell's going on here? And the the growth visibly grows under the coat. It's like, oh, 
I'm eating Joseph Joestar. I'm eating Joseph Joestar. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> not, then, not yet. I think my favorite bit is that at first it's like apple core, banana. And then it's like, oh, that's odd. And then lettuce. And you're like, oh, that's a bit big. Yeah. And then the next thing you see after being like, I'm feeding is a chicken head. And then a lot of blood. And a lot of blood. And he's just like, you stole them from the stalls. Yeah. <laughs> You've got quick hands and also can get out from under a coat somehow. <laughs> huh. You sneaky little thing. So he's like, I better take a look at this. And Pulls it off. Immediately gets punched in the face by the now basically fully grown, as we see it, Empress. It's fantastic because this little, this like... It's basically an upper body now. It's an upper body of a Buddhist statue that... It's sort of feminine looking, vaguely. Yeah, it has... But also kind of demonic. It has breast-shaped breastuses. I don't think it does. Nick, I don't think it does. I thought it did. I thought it was like... It has like mounds. (laughs) Nick. It has tiny arms, braided... they're, They're pretty big arms by now. Yeah, it's got like little braided hair up here and uh... Yeah. Oh, man. That death scene. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it has, a, it has kind a, of a muscular feminine bod. Yeah, because it's like a fertility statue, isn't it? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like a, All right. I suppose it's not even braided hair. It's just cell-esque. Uh, chitin. Chitin, yeah. Yeah, you win this round, Nick. Thank you. You Thank pervert. You. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> I am the Polnareff of the duo. <laughs> Clearly. And I'm everyone else. <laughs> yare, yare. <laughs> Where are we in the episode? Uh, we were discussing the breastuses and how they're not really breastuses so can, much as... Can boldest. you stop saying that word? <laughs> I just get it. Okay. It comes from... You have to understand. It comes from... Uh, there's a metal band called Kill Switch Engage. Uh, and they did like a behind the scenes thing where they would not stop saying that. Where it's like, you know, when you're playing live, you just got to show your breastuses. And then everyone's like, that's the key to success, man. It's showing the breastuses. All right. Yeah. Now you know the rest of the story. We're all nerds here. (laughs) She does this little monologue about how, like, she's mooching off her parent. Or you could say, in this case, mooching off her parent's arm. (laughs) And he's like, I'll show you that I, Joseph Joestar, have many years more fighting experience than you. Flash to internal monologue. I said that, but what am I going to do? Ah, shit. Hermit purple. And then he ties her down again. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is an important monologue because it comes back later. She says, Father, thank you for raising me, but you shouldn't tie your children down like this. You need to raise your children to be free. And then bites his arm. Now, little wordplay. Shouldn't tie them down. I mean, yeah, that's precisely what we're going for. It's hermit purple. (laughs) It's so good. It's so witty. Yeah, such such good banter from this growth. So he's like, oh, I need to use my... Hermit purple powers to help me, but I can't find a, a camera anywhere. What am I going to do? So he keeps running. He keeps on a running and then runs some more. And then the Empress strikes a fighting pose. And like, I'm big enough to kill you now. Look, I can reach your neck. I'll break your carotid artery and kill you. Just like Dio wanted to do to Jonathan. Bad sign. Very yeah. bad sign. Starts punching him. And then... He blo- blocks it with his, uh, his robot hand, which is taking quite a pummeling at this stage. Yeah, it's sort of looking a bit shit yeah. by the end of it. Pow, 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 pow. Um, oh and, no! And we just need to reinforce the bizarreness that is a man is fighting his own arm. Yeah, and we sort of is... zoom out and we see just passerby like, what? What <laughs> the shit is he doing? 
He gets a good punch on his face. He falls and he smashes a table with an urn on it and rolls around, you know, struggling with the arm for a bit. And people are like, that man's got a weird growth on his arm. And there's a whole bunch of ashes in the urn that scatters over him. Yeah. But I mean, for some reason... It's an don't. urn. What's an urn without ashes? Yeah. But they don't seem to get on him for some <laughs> reason. Yeah. It's weird. So he's like, I need to find the stand user. Better get out of here. And now we cut back. He's running. He's running towards a building and... Against the far wall of that building is Polnareff and Nina again. Yes. Polnareff's eating some bullshit and she <laughs> sees him coming and she's she turns to him and is like, Polnareff, I need a strong man in my life. I love you. And he's like, this is great. This I'm is... falling in love with a beautiful woman. <laughs> I'm totally going to get some sweet action. He's like, lucky. <laughs> and as he's distracted, Joseph runs past. He has the biggest grin on Another his face. near miss. Uh, not for Polnareff though. <laughs> hey. So they keep running. She taunts him a bit and is like, you're getting further away from your friends, you idiot. And he's like, I'm not running around randomly. I'm running here so that I can kill you with this. Now, okay, I have a few problems with this bit. Yeah? How hot is this thing that he's dumping it into? I don't know. Because as far as I know, tar gets quite warm. Cold tar. Huh. Cold tar is used as a, me- is used as a medication used to treat psoriasis and... Seborrheic dermatitis or dandruff. What? No way. Yeah. Side effects include skin irritation, sun sensitivity, allergic reactions, and skin discoloration. Huh. Never mind. I take everything back. So it's just a thick black. One of the byproducts are when coal is made into coke and coal gas. Huh. Huh. And that is, of course, coke, the fuel thing, not coal. (laughs) So you can actually. I'm just reading about coal tar now. So you can just dip it into coal tar. Yeah, it's highly flammable. Well, I it's, uh, it must be heated before it will flow easily, but it's not flowing, it's just sitting there. Huh. Well, shit. Coltar was a component of the first sealed roads. It would be. The more you know. <laughs> Aha, safety. Here we go. Here we go. Coltar causes increased sensitivity to sunlight, so skin treating with topical coltar preparation should be protected from sunlight. Oh, wow. Okay. Contains approximately 10,000 chem- chemicals, of which only 50% have been identified. Better source needed. <laughs> What? And the composition of it varies with its origin and type of coal. For example, lignite, bituminous, or anthracite used to make it. This is why I didn't go and study, like, metallurgy. Because it's just like, oh yeah, but there's more stuff. And you're like, oh, oh god. <laughs> so basically, yeah, it's tar that you can use to make roads or, t- or treat your skin conditions, which seems quite apt. <laughs> Considering so- he's, got a, he's got a hell of a rash. He's got a hell of a rash. Yeah. So he dumps this being into this vat... Of coal tar. Which we don't know is coal tar at the moment. It just yeah. looks like oily liquid. It's just this black stuff. Goo. And he's all like, aha! There are air bubbles coming out, so I guess it needs to... It, I guess it does breathe, even though it says it doesn't need yeah. to breathe. Now, when I saw it, I was like, that's just tar. Yeah, just, just drown that motherfucker. But, like, how hot would tar need to be to be, like, liquidous? You know? Not that hot, evidently. Yeah, well, not like, with coal not tar, Not within apparently. the fiction. Yeah, no. Anyway. Yeah. We learned something today. Today I learned. Coal tar. Today's episode of JoJo's World was brought to you by coal. The cleanest, safest form of energy. Medicinal and industrious. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, if you're ever feeling down, just have just eat a big chunk of coal. Can do. Fucking plebs. The Empress shoots out of the coal tar with a rusty nail in its hand and sticks it into Joseph's neck. What? But how what a cunning it... ploy. But how did it get the nail? It picked it up when they were rolling around on the ground earlier. <gasps> Genius. Truly, Joseph did not see this coming. Uh, this is bad. Joseph 
it's trying to jam this nail into Joseph's neck. It's like pierce the flesh, but it hasn't, you know, gotten too far in at the moment. He's desperately trying to stop it. And uh, I think it's like getting further and further in. Because his, um, his, his mechanical hand is looking a bit... It's taken too much damage and it says he doesn't have much strength in its fingers left at the moment. And so he's desperately trying to stop it. I have a physical form, but I'm not a living organism. Only stands can defeat stands. Didn't you say you are going to show the difference in our fighting experience? Where's your experience now? You're a helpless geezer who's gotten too old. Your life as an invalid is about to end. There's no way you can defeat me. Huh? Joseph's eyes flash across the screen. The colour palette shifts so that his hair is all sort of turquoisey. Okay. And as the coltar hardens on the Empress, his, the rest of his arm is fine. <laughs> <laughs> and the nail falls to the ground impotently. He holds his battered, barely functional hand up to his ear and he's like, What? What was that, shitlord? Sorry, my hearing isn't what it used to be. Run that by me one more time. Huh? I'm sorry, did you say that you were good? You stuck me in coltar to solidify me. How did you find it? Hermit Purple shoots out of his arm. He's like, I use my stand. Meanwhile, back where they crash into that table, uh-huh. all the, the city folk are like, hey, look, the ashes that Forerunner was rolling around in, they formed a map of the city. <gasps> oh my God. That's clever. I, I think that's a, it's definitely not within uh, the use of the power we've been previously informed about, but it's in spirit with it enough that it doesn't feel like a cop out. No, I think that the idea of, like, spirit photography totally lines up with, oh, well, spirit map. Yeah. Like, it's the same thing. I mean, thing. the TV thing happened The before. TV thing yeah. happened. I just think that's a, that's a neat neat solution to a problem. Like, I need to get somewhere that I can find something to defeat this. Yeah. Maybe that will work. Okay, I need to surreptitiously make a map that will show me where the nearest example of that is. <laughs> Fucking genius. Of course, if he had been thinking clearly, he could have been like, show me where Polar F is. Well... Yeah, but Joseph isn't exactly a team player, no, is he? true. I need to solve this myself to prove that old people aren't useless. <laughs> I'm American, and if there's one thing that Americans are good at, it's winning. Well, he's actually English. Yeah, but didn't he grow up in America? He grew up in England, went to America when he was in his late teens, uh, and has lived there ever since. Hmm. Where does he align with then? Does he align more with America or with England? I don't care. <laughs> uh, uh, interesting. I mean, he's English nobility. He... Technically is English nobility. Yeah, yeah true. He's a, but he's a New York real estate baron. True, he is. Which makes him New York royalty. Sure. <laughs> the real Joestar housewives of New York. <laughs> makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. So this is really like some sort of weird intergenerational fight where it's like the experience of the elderly versus the, the energy of the youth. <laughs> Except the youth was born about two hours ago. Yeah. She wasn't born yesterday. She, she was, was born, born today. Yeah. Yep, that's that's where we're going with that mm-hmm. joke. Yep. <laughs> These are the jokes, people. This is why we get paid nothing. <laughs> Patreon coming soon. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's like, this is the difference in our fighting experience. Once your opponent starts to boast of his victory, he's lost. That's how Joseph Joestar does things. He looks into the camera and is like, I guess I just get better with age. <laughs> Still got it. You're going to say stop anything but that. Stop anything but... Oh, shit. And then he reverses that sort of weird speech from earlier where he's like, this isn't good. It pains me too. Children can't depend on their parents forever. You've got to go out on your own once you've grown big. What what a shit heel. (laughs) It's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to kill you. And also, you were being kind of smug earlier. Well, look how smug I can be. (laughs) And guess what, shit lord? I win! So... He wraps the immobilised Empress in 
thorns mm-hmm. and also sort of loops them around another, some, an, like another a horizontal pinball. iron bar hanging yeah, out of the building. Which is odd. Like, very yeah. odd. He sort of run and, runs and jumps up that wall. And then just flings his arm down. Flings his arm down, tightening the wrap of thorns around the Empress and literally cutting it in half from friction. A solid bisection of thorny goodness. Not even bisection. Like, that is... Like a pentasection. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just fucks that dude right up. Well, that's that. Now, where's that stand user? <laughs> literally, he's like... Cool. Now, where's that stand user gone? Meanwhile, Polnareff's in an alleyway trying to make out. And he's all like, let us cement our love with him. He's got uh, anime blushes under his eyes. <laughs> and he, he's got his hand against the wall and he leans in to kiss her. And then uh, she just vomits rainbow like, it's bile. Like vomit. It's like there's bones in it, you can see. And there's like chicken bones and like a few wishbones. And... and then like her whole body explodes open to reveal actually a much shorter, uglier woman within the... <laughs> I think everyone can agree, she is much uglier. Like, she is not an attractive... I mean, we don't really get a good look at her, because I think she's probably also covered in blood, so they censor it. It's enough. (laughs) It's more like, oh, she is basically just a monster inside of this beautiful woman who... Because as we all know, if someone doesn't conform to conventional standards of beauty, they have to be evil. Well, yeah. I mean, in this show, that's kind of the case. Yeah, I mean, what... What were you expecting? Yeah, I never really thought about that. What about, uh... Are there any arena? ugly people who are good in this? Arena? She's not ugly. Well. <laughs> um, Dio's think. beautiful and evil, obviously. That's his whole thing. Yep. He has to be. Yep. Ugly and evil. Oh! The, uh, the ugly... The hanged man was hideous, obviously. The, the two-handed lady. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The I mean, two-right-handed... I wouldn't say that she's especially egregiously ugly. She just looks like an old lady. Yeah, but, you know, she hit a cat. True. So she's pretty ugly in my eyes. Well, she's ugly like how in the twits. It's like yes. you could have only only evil people are ugly. You could have buck teeth and uh, an overbite and a, a monobrow. And if you're a good person, you'll still be beautiful. Yeah, you have that nice smile. Yeah. It all lines Your up. inner goodness shines through from your countenance. I like it. That's I like our it. word of the day. I just won $10,000. Counted. 10,000 Singaporean dollars. Ah, shit. Which is roughly 10,000 Australian dollars. Is it? I mean, oh, no, it would be, when it? we did the calculations the other week, there was like $20 difference yeah, true. between 500 and 482. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, what are we talking about? Oh, yes. And she explodes. Who is the person who is ugly and good, though? Ugly and good? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the seven dwarves from Snow no, White. No, from JoJo's. Oh. Um, ugly and good. Who would we say that Zapelli may be a little bit ugly? No, he's had a sort of silver fox quality to him, even though he wasn't silver. But you know what I mean. Hmm. Speedwagon had a scar on his face. Yeah, Speedwagon. And a Speedwagon was not a uh, good looking dude. <laughs> Von Stroheim. Although he was a Nazi, yeah. wasn't he? He yeah. wasn't especially ugly either, though. He looked like Guile. Yeah, yeah. Lisa Lisa was quite attractive. Wasn't she, though? Yeah, for, for an 80-year-old woman. 50. 50-year-old woman. Remember, he's like, if you were born 50 years ago, how old are you? <laughs> uh, Count it out, Joseph. Use your fingers. Can't think of a single one. I mean, I can think of someone in part four who has an evil history, but isn't evil in the present, but is very ugly for reasons. Mm. But other than that, nothing's really leaving to mind. Ergo, if you're ugly, you're evil. In JoJo. Note to self. If they're ugly, they're definitely Don't evil. trust them. Whole horse. Probably a good guy. <laughs> yeah. Deep down. Deep, deep, deep down. Oh, man. We are going to have to go drilling. 
I'm going to turn up so much coal tar. <laughs> we are going to be rich selling off this coal tar of whole horse's heart. That's a good album name. The coal tar of whole horse's heart. Yeah. Shit, man. I should make that album. Uh, Joseph just wanders around the corner and is like, so that's the Empress's stand user, huh? She sure played you, Polnareff. You must feel like an idiot. And, and he's like, what? Polnareff is just there like, oh, <laughs> oh my god, what the fuck? I mean, it would be very disturbing, like, even without the turning into an ugly person thing, it'd be very disturbing to be <laughs> going to kiss someone and then just have them, like, go full exorcist on you. Yeah, even without the person falling out of them. Yeah. What do you mean, even without? What? I, I feel like in the... I feel like a chunk of his reaction is like, oh no, she was ugly because 80s gender roles. Um, no, that's probably half of it. It's like, wait, but she was ugly the yeah, whole time? Yeah. But I think even without that subtext, that's a very disturbing thing that would happen. But I just wanted to make out with an attractive lady and she exploded before my no, eyes. No, you're not allowed to be happy, Polnareff. You need to find your Ica guy. Okay. Can it be ladies? It could be, but not yet. You need to commit to the bit. <laughs> Uh, it's night time now. We're on a beach. The bank of the Ganges River. The bank of the Ganges River. The holy river with excrement and human bodies in it. Kakuin and uh, Jotaro are being real cool. Like, hey guys, we're in this episode too. Um, <laughs> where they're just standing over the river talking. Being like, I thought we'd get to sleep in a bed tonight. But nope. My grandpa just had to go and get the cops on his tail. And then he just walks into, he walks into the scene and says, I sorted it out. I don't know what that means. I think it means everything's okay now. Got the Speedwagon Foundation lawyers in again, maybe? Yeah, just be like, I'm sorry, did you see him murder them? Did you notice that His maybe... fingerprints aren't on the scaffold. Except for the other one he touched, I guess. Which isn't the murder weapon. Oh, shit, you're right. <laughs> they wouldn't be, would they? No. It's like, but they were on the other scalpel. It's like, yes, but not on the Hang scalpel. on, you have a robot hand. Uh... <laughs> hey, hey, were there fingerprints on it? It's like, no. See? It all adds up, doesn't it? The perfect crime. <laughs> he shows up and he's like, hey, we're taking this car here, Polnar F drive. And he throws the keys and the keys just land, stick into, sticking into Polnar F's high top. It's beautiful. Flat top, high top, flat top. High top, flat top. And he's he's just sitting in shock on the, the riverbank. It's like, I thought I could make out with an attractive lady. And he's like, Joseph says, uh, come on, Polnar F, I was the one who was attacked by the stand juicer. And Polnar F says, I would have preferred that. <laughs> At least I would be able to make out with them. They get in the car, they drive off, and as they're driving off, another car starts up behind them and, and follows. To be continued. I am so hype already. <laughs> Holy shit. Car chase. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Uh, a lot of people dismiss next week's episode as one of like the less important ones, but I yeah. really enjoy it. Well, it's probably a car chase. I'm not going to tell you either way. <sighs> shit. To be continued. Bang Man 2. Okay, Flash. sure. Nick? Yes? Where are highlights and lowlights of this episode? Okay, the highlight has to be where we actually see, like, the final form. Oh, yeah. Of the little... Check it out, I got a bod. <laughs> and it just punches Joseph in the face yeah. to emerge. And you're like, what? Fucking what? <laughs> it's like, I can reach your neck now. It's like, no, what? What? Well, this arm's going to have to come off. It's ridiculous. I love it so much. <laughs> What's your highlight? Uh, mine's got to be just Joseph's victory. He does something in this part, finally. Mm -hmm. He does it old Joseph Joestar style. He he says, next you're going to say. And then and he, he uses Hermit Purple in a way we haven't seen it used before, but I think is really cool. Yep. Yep. What about low lights? Low lights. I mean, a cat got 
pretty beaten. That poor cat. That poor fucking cat. I liked how in that scene, Azenya was having, you know, stab wounds appear on it, her face and stuff. The cat, we just got all these reaction shots of the cat. <laughs> just be like, ah, ah, I'm a cat. That's what a cat sounds like. And also when it comes into the scene, it's just a close up on Enya's eye, close up on the cat's eye, zoom out to Enya breathing heavily and the cat there in like a, a ready stance. It looks like, it looks like she's fighting and losing to her cat for a moment. <laughs> I mean. Low lights though, for me. Pour vous. What? Pour vous is a French for, mm, yeah. for you. <laughs> I mean, it's the wrong one. It should be like two something. I think. I don't know. I don't know what I had, what I would say for low lights this episode. Honestly. Um, Ooh, and low lights, Liam. Come on, you gotta have a low light somewhere. We cement it with kith. No, because I I like Polnareff's dumb fast scenes in this. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna bloody you up. That's good. That's that's good. Terrible it banter. It is. Though. It's damn good. Terrible banter. I feel like most of the things that weren't great in this episode are just kind of there I don't mm. really know if I have a low light okay well I have a pretty good low light okay hey guys I sorted it sorry weren't you being chased <laughs> by the police about murder and like you were named and where you were staying well they never went back to the hotel there's good evidence that it's probably you how did you sort it's it it's got very good lawyers what did you do Joseph <laughs> hey guys I killed all the police hey guys Nothing's going to stop us on this journey. There won't be any more protests because uh, we are just going through with that revolution. I don't know what you're talking about. No more police. Stage a coup. No more uh, people to stop the coup from going through. Yep. Social movements. I'm just going to let you keep spinning your wheels on this for a bit. <laughs> so if there's no more police in India, then all the people below can rise up. And rise up. When you're living on your knees, you rise up. <laughs> that just sort of sounds like you've been sitting down too long. That's Hamilton. Is it? Yeah. Oh, there you go. So anyway. So anyway, um, I just can't think of anything. God damn. Um, it's just a good episode. So I'm going to move on. Okay. Nick. Wait, move on to what? Well, that's the thing. What? Nick, I want to ask you. What? This is very hard for me to say. What? 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 Um, You're looking very serious. What do you think is going to happen next time on Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Part 3, Starts Crusaders, in the episode entitled Wheel of Fortune? <laughs> okay. I think I have a few theories. So they're in a car. They're in a car. They're being pursued by a second car. By a second car. Wheel of Fortune. Wheel. There, I've done it. That's the <laughs> prediction. Okay, so it seems a bit easy just to say the car is the stand. And yet here we are <laughs> in this beautiful scenario where that is a legitimate possible threat. Mm-hmm, yep. But I reckon the Wheel of Fortune is the steering wheel. Of their car or the other car? Of the other car that's okay. chasing them. So it's like, my stand allows perfect control in even the most harsh of conditions. So it's... Ride on wall. It's literally just going to be like a straight car fight. Oh, hell yeah. Except with uh, stand users being like, yeah, well, I can punch your car. And then it's all like, no, you can't. Dodge. Right, okay. Or like, yeah, well, Hierophant Green, shoot things. Nah, dodge. And then it's like, my steering wheel lets me turn any car into an anti-gravity vehicle as he goes like on the wall (laughs) onto the roof. Well, you don't need anti-gravity to do that. You just need, like, drifting. Yeah, you just need good We've skill. all seen Men in Black. We've all seen Initial D. We've all seen Speed Racer. We've all seen Hamilton. We've all seen The Phantom Menace. We've all seen too much. Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Um, that's a Sith legend, isn't it? It's not a story that the Jedi will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the... I don't care if it's ironic. I really like the recent... Star Wars prequels meme resurgence. Oh my god. I love it just because it's so ironic. Did you see the um the R place thing as well? I don't 
almost dead center, like slightly just above center, there was this giant red bit that was like, have you heard of the legend of Darth Plagueis the Wise? It's not a story the Jedi will tell you. And it's like goes on for that entire monologue. And it stayed there for like so long. Where, what was this? Where was it? So there's this thing on Reddit called Our Place mm-hmm. that started up as like a nice little thing and then bots took over. But the idea was <laughs> uh, one person could put down one pixel every 10 minutes or so. And so like alone, you'd be like, I put a pixel down. And then someone else would be like, no, I put a pixel down. But together, you'd be like, here's the plan. We make a giant banner in our place. You put your pixel there, you put your pixel there and so on and so forth. And so people started making like Counter-Strike banner or like League of Legends okay. banner. And oh, one like, of them, as in place it there. Yeah. Not as in this is a place I found. No, no, no. Uh, and so one of them was prequel memes just went Plagueis the Wise <laughs> and put the monologue in our place. Nice. So anyway, predictions, uh, yeah, we're just going to have a massive car fight, I reckon. But what does Wheel of Fortune do? Well, you just, you said that before. Oh yeah, it controls the car amazingly. It's either going to be something like it's the steering wheel or the guy's stand is just that he's really good at controlling cars. Right. You know, something really dumb like that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, and it's going to be a good episode. I can already see it already. It's, it's going to be a good episode. <laughs> All right, let's get into some quick listener correspondence. Yes, I love me some listener correspondence. Uh, frequent correspondent, uh, Joshua Kevin Perry, mm-hmm. wants us to, wants to point out to us did we fuck up? Regarding the death or survival of Avdol. Uh, we fucked up. Yep. The thing about thinking Avdol, or Abdul as he says, because that's a translation grey area as I understand it, mm-hmm. uh, is alive, is, well, the large meme of 80s horror films is the black guy dies first. Made most famous in Friday the 13th 5. <laughs> if he had to come back, do you think the Speedwagon engineering would prove it superior to German engineering? <laughs> I'm sorry, hang on. Is he implying that Avdol comes back... As a cyborg? As a cyborg, because cyborg in DC is a black dude. So if the black guy dies first... I don't think that's what he was saying, but if that's how you want to take it, sure. If he just comes back as cyborg from DC, like that kind of like half of his face is Like a red red Terminator eye? Yeah, pretty much. Where it's like way beyond Von Stroheim. (laughs) Shit, I don't think... A weapon to surpass Von Stroheim. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. I think that Abdol is alive. I still, I still want to believe that Abdol is alive. Can someone do us up a, um, I want to believe image macro with a picture of Abdol and Magician's Rage? I want to believe that Abdol is alive. Okay. There are secrets in that show that are being kept from us. If you have to choose someone to die next, who would it be? Does anyone get out alive? Hmm. Someone who has to die next. Kakuin. Okay. Kakuin could die next. Yeah. Uh, I reckon if he dies next, then it's like, Jojo's like, oh, but I liked him. He he was a cool dude. Why did he have to? He was my age. What the fuck? <laughs> now who am I going to talk to? Polnareff? Uh, he tries to get with women. Women are gross. Yeah. I like my mum. I like, I shout at all the women that I meet, except my mum, but especially my mum. <laughs> Wait, what was the other question? Uh, does anyone get out alive? Does anyone get out alive? Well, that is the real question. It's because we all die. Yeah, death is inevitable. Everyone dies. Um, it's just a matter of when. The, um, the tarot stand for death is just the inevitability of, of uh, entropy. <laughs> just, like, this guy comes along. Haha, my stand is death, which you all will die to. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But mark but my words. someday you're going to die. And then I'll be laughing. And then Dio shows up and, and just all like... Kick uh, the crap out of him. Yeah. This comes from... Actually. Toilet Pig from India. 
I'm, I'm sorry, toilet pig? He's some pig. Damn. Oh, wow, look at him now. Zuckerman's famous pig. Zooey, what do you see? The greatest hog in history. Fine swine, wish he was mine. So what if he's not so big? He's some terrific, radiant, humble thingamajig of a pig. This is a toilet the pig. The terrific, radiant, humble... Toilet pig. From India. <laughs> That's from Charlotte's Web. <laughs> Oh, hey guys, love the podcast. I started listening a week ago and I'm already caught up. I have two very different questions for you. How did you catch up? That's a lot of listening. Yeah. Holy shit, dude. Liam, out of all the main JoJo's, whose stand do you like best? I personally really like the part six JoJo's stand because it's always cool when the protagonist has a stand that seems a little simple at first, but which they really end up using in really versatile and inventive ways. Punch Punch Man also seems quite simple um, at first. I... Really like the part four protagonist stand. Uh, I th- again, I think that's something that seems very straightforward when it's first introduced. Like, oh, it's just going to be used for this one purpose for, to fulfill these plot contrivances over and over again. But then you get things like the motorbike scene, which are, is really rad. And that's just fucking dope. <laughs> <laughs> I would take that down as a note, but I will forget. Secondly, what are your plans for the podcast after you've caught up with the show? Will it go on hiatus until a new season is released? Hang on, did we calculate that it was going to take two and a half years? Well, that to... was when we were releasing on a bi-weekly basis, ah. fortnightly basis. So, I mean, basically, it's something that we haven't thought about yet and we're not going to have to think about for at least another year. So, I mean, my, my dream here, right, mm-hmm. is that uh, well, if we finish JoJo, we then go, okay, what's more anime? That I can force you to watch instead, like Food Wars or that volleyball one. <laughs> so then we can be like, see, see, Yuri on Ice. See, this is a really good metaphor for friendship. The ball is now in your court. We can say that a lot if we do the volleyball one. Yeah, I don't really want to do that. But, imagine- but honestly, I think, you know, da- David Productions willing, by the time we're caught up on all the currently released anime, the part five one should have should have come out by then, which oh, will give yeah. us another almost a year of content, I expect. And then by that point, maybe they'll have started on part six. So basically, it's you know, assuming they keep making it, which we all hope they do, it's not something we're going to really need to think about for a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I will force you to watch Food Wars one day. One day, <laughs> Patreon reward. Yeah, Patreon backup. reward number one. Yeah, Food Wars. <laughs> should that be a good reward though? Wouldn't it? Anyway. Now, I want to do one more letter today, because this one just came through while we were recording, okay. or, or overnight, maybe, <laughs> and it's just something I want to talk about, because you'll see. Ooh. Ooh. Greetings from from Norway, Liam and Nick. Hey, what up, you sly Norwegian motherfucker? The, okay, look, just look. Calm down. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to, you know, do listener engagement, okay? I really enjoy your podcast, and I've got a couple of fun things to share about JoJo. Nice. Previously, you talked about Persona and how their cards were like tarot cards. Yes! Go on. Funny thing is that all the Persona belong to a specific tarot arcana, or some are mixes by merging Persona, but let's not get into that. Mm-hmm. The main characters in Persona 4, for example, have the arcana The Fool, The Chariot, The Magician, The Emperor, The Priestess, The Lovers, Fortune, and the Persona of Teddy, The Bear, is the star. Make of that what you will. You're the fool in Persona 4, I remember that. And in 5, too. 
Another little thing is that all the way back during Battle Tendency, you were talking about Stroheim's theme being vaguely German sounding. But it's actually real German. And speaking as someone who's had five years of German in school, I can tell you that the, their pronunciation is surprisingly good. Mm, I don't know. That's not six years though, is so it? So I'm glad that I could successfully identify German. <laughs> if it sounds Germany, it's probably German. The lyrics of the song, na- uh, named Propaganda, is translated as such. <laughs> yep. Man is evil. Good. Man is evil. Uh-huh. Man is evil and must become better and more evil. Gotcha. <laughs> that I teach. Uh-huh. Also to the good, does a noble man stand in the way? And even though they call him good, they push him out of the way. This part is repeated twice. Okay. Man is evil and must become better and more evil. Man is evil and must become uh, better and more evil. Man is evil and must become better and more evil. Man. Song ends here. Man. It's pretty good, I think. Wait, is that... Could you have that as like a surfer dude accent? It's like, man is evil. Man. man is evil. It's a kind of a beetle. It's like, man. Man is, is evil. Ev- man is evil, Ringo. <laughs> man is evil. <laughs> I'm just imagining that being performed in like the style of Oct- Octopus's Garden now. <laughs> yeah, and that comes to us from... Uh, oh, they've given us a cheat sheet for pronunciation of their name. Yes! Uh, Mikhail Somervold. Mikhail Somervold. And... You know, I'm, those lyrics are a cool thing to know, but basically I just want to talk about Persona right now <laughs> because I bought a PlayStation 4 and Persona 5 since we last recorded an episode. So tell me, Liam, what's uh, what's your thoughts on Persona 5? I don't want to get into spoiler territory because I mean, legally a lot of people... To. Yes, there's that. Yeah. Um, the best friends were going to do a Let's Play until they got these regulations. And they're like, just, oh, I guess we have to stop doing this now. Just ridiculous. But anyway. Um, that's, that's not a hero there. Yeah. That's for your, your game podcast. Kermit the Frog sips his tea. I consistently refer to personas as stands by mistake. Uh-huh. Just in, we, I did that about half a dozen times when we were talking about it before we recorded today. You did? Because we're getting a basic grounding in the tarot from watching this show, uh, it's interesting to me that I'm noticing a lot of parallels in characterization between the tarot I'm meeting in Jojo and in Persona. Mm-hmm. For example, you've got Avdol the Magician in Jojo who teaches... Jojo about stands and is the knowledgeable figure in that regard. Mm-hmm. And similarly, the character in Persona 5 who is associated with the magician is the one who you meet early on who teaches you about the other world and shadows and personas, yep. which I think is neat. It's a dope time. And also that particular character has a stand that is basically just Silver Chariot. That's the... Um... I said stand again. Has a persona <laughs> that is basically just Silver Chariot. So that's that's the one you sent me that was like... Yeah. Big old armor guy. It's... It's called Zorro, and it's basically Silver Chariot by way of Zorro. Yeah. It's got the same hand sword. It's got, got some Zorro-style clothing, but it is ultimately still a metal man with a sword for a hand. <laughs> Simply put, it's Silver Chariot. Pretty much. Good times. Yeah, um, I'm enjoying it. I don't want to spoil people, but hit me up on Twitter if you want to talk about it. Hit me up on Twitter at jojospodcast at gmail.com or gmail me at jojospodcast at gmail.com. What? I said that twice. Twitter is Jojo's Podcast at Twitter at Jojo's Podcast. End of podcast. To be continued. <laughs> to be con- to be continued.